Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with the Autumn Miles Show. How are you doing out there in North Texas? Y'all know I love you so much. You know what? I, I want to thank you guys for being so supportive. This is not just for my radio people, but also my podcast people. We will be podcasting this show, but we just kind of saw our numbers on our podcast. And it's not about numbers. It's about Jesus. But you know what? A number represents a life. And so let me just say thank you so much for supporting what we're doing here. We love you guys, and y'all know how much um, we love Jesus over here at the Autumn Mile Show. I want to get to our guest today because I'm obsessed with his book, okay? His name is Michael Kelly. He works for Lifeway Christian Resources. We all know Lifeway. He is one of the minds, the great, beautiful, spiritual Christian minds that help Lifeway work. He does work with their small groups ministries over there. And he has written a book called Growing Down. And you guys, it's going to encourage you so much. I don't want to talk too much more, but I want to welcome my guest to the show. Welcome to the show, Michael Kelly. How are you? I'm doing well. It's Listen, it's great to talk to somebody in Texas. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I'm actually from not far from where you are. So I'm from a little town in West Texas called Canyon, Texas, just south of Amarillo. Oh, really? So, a fellow yeah, Texan. Sure. I love it. And now you're in Nashville, right? Now we're in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. You, and, le- you uh, left God's so, country. We'll get over there. You left God's country in Texas to go to Tennessee. Actually, Tennessee is God's country, too. You can't go to Tennessee without experiencing Jesus. Those mountains are beautiful over there. They are beautiful. Now, but here's what. So I, I grew up, obviously, in Texas, doing Texas state history, right, every three or four years, yes. and now my kids here do Tennessee history because they've been born over here, and what they're realizing is that, like, Tennessee shipped all of its heroes over to Texas to <laughs> die, so <laughs> it's an interesting exchange that we have. To die? Oh, my goodness. And the Al- yeah, like Davy Crockett. Yeah, Alamo. Yeah, I know, the Alamo. I'm, I'm obsessed with San Antonio. I love going there, but... You write in your book, we did a little research on you, Michael Kelly. You write in your book about the Alamo and how you were kind of underwhelmed when you saw it, right? Yes, I totally <laughs> was. Uh, now I, Me too. Okay, so we're on the same page. I mean, you see the movies, and you literally look forward to history class. We're yeah. going to talk about the Alamo this year. I remember thinking that the most interesting thing I'm actually seeing in the Alamo was Davy Crockett's razor. Um <laughs> So, yeah, a little <laughs> underwhelmed. <laughs> but, you know, okay, so, Michael, I'm obsessed with history. Like, if there's, like, a monument, I'm there reading every single plaque that's there. When we got there, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, the Alamo, so Davy Crockett. Like, this is going to be amazing. And it was tiny. And I was like, what yes. in the world? I thought the Alamo was bigger. But, you know, apparently it's not. I'm going to get so many hate emails for this, Michael. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, what are we talking about? We're talking about your book. Okay, so your book, I think it is so relevant. It's so for right now. I was actually talking to my assistant on the way to the station this morning, 
And we were like, I want to send this out to people <laughs> because it is so good. So the book, the book's name, and all, to all my listeners out there, go get it. Um, Growing Down is the name of the book. But Michael, tell me about your heart behind Growing Down and, and sort of why you wrote it. Yep, for sure. The, you know, I, one of the things that Jesus said that I really, really love and have thought about for a long time is, you get this moment in the Gospels where all of these children are coming to Jesus. They're coming to Jesus, and their parents have brought them because it was, you know, traditional in those days for a rabbi to sort of bless these kids. Well, the disciples are put off by this, um, and so they kind of try to protect Jesus. You know, he's, he's too important for this, or he doesn't have time for this, that, mm. that kind of thing. And then Jesus um, turns back on them. It's It's one of the only times in the Gospels where we see Jesus described as being actually angry with his disciples. Mm. And his statement is, not only should you let these children come to me, but you guys actually have a lot to learn from these children. I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, right? But, but in essence, Jesus says, in fact, all of you who are so close to me in proximity, you actually have to become like a child mm. in order to inherit the kingdom of God. So I, I wanted to write about that as a concept. What does it mean to actually become like a child? And then, uh, as I started thinking more and more about it, I realized, boy, that we grow into adults in some characteristics that make us really good citizens of the world, that make us really poor citizens of the kingdom of, of God. Mm. So the book is meant to be, to be helpful, I hope, for adults to try and recover what it means to have a childlike uh, faith and childlike relationship um, with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I love this. Um, we do ministry, Michael, with lots of women everywhere, everywhere, and um, and, and men, uh, but predominantly women. And I would say all the all the messages that we get um, on a daily basis, we. I, when we become adults, it's almost like we transition to walk by sight and not by faith. It, and when we're a child, <clears throat> you know, it's so much easier, you know, just to do it because you're supposed to do it um, without analyzing everything that could happen. And um, I know that this is, as a matter of fact, we're about to do a show on the great bait of Satan. He tells you that walking by sight is smarter than walking by faith. So this is an anointed wow. show and an anointed week for this book to be to be on. Um, I, I, I would love to hear uh, just some of the different chapters in the book and why why you um, wrote them. One that I'm it actually is about the Alamo from education to wonder. Can you can you talk to me about that chapter a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So each one of the chapters is kind of set up on that continuum um, that, that each one of the chapters is meant to describe um, how to move from this very adulty characteristic to this more childlike characteristic. So this chapter is from education to wonder. Uh, you know, I, I just find in myself that I am, I wonder sometimes if I am like too educated of a Christian. And, mm -hmm. and I, don't, I don't mean to say that like education is wrong. I really don't think it is. I mean, I think that's part of what Jesus told us to do. Mm -hmm. He said to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, so our mind, that's part of education um, for us.
us to love the Lord like that. But at the same time, I feel like that education is one of those things that potentially can get in the way sometimes of our love for God. So um, I, I tend to think about it like, you know, sometimes when you study a subject exhaustively, in fact, Solomon warned against this yeah. uh, in Ecclesiastes, when you study a subject exhaustively, you tend to lose some of the passion and the wonder that you had when you first uh, when you first encountered it, and I think that there's a real danger for us as Christians to become um, like biology students when it comes to God, to where our theology and the Bible is, is something that we are dissecting mm-hmm. piece by piece instead of standing in in wonder of. It's amazing. I know several people that have tried to kind of look at the Word of God and pick it apart and match their human intellect up against, of course, the vast wisdom of the Lord. And yet they feel like they are qualified to look at the Word of God and choose what is true and what is not true. I've talked with some of these people and stuff, and it is honestly, I've stood there with my mouth open wondering how did you get here? How did you get to a point where you look at the word of God and you choose what is true and what isn't when God tells us, of course, the the, the word is inspired, written by him, um, is profitable. And, you know, we all know we know, all know that verse in Timothy. I wonder today how you do that, um, um, yeah. Michael. You know, I think I think. Uh, my my great thinkers um, that are listening today that are super analytical, you know, um, God has given them that quality for a reason. How do they return if they are questioning so much to this childlike uh, faith? And how do they grow down? I, I think you know, the, the answer to that, I think the answer to that is um, difficult but relatively simple. So I'll use myself as, as a, uh, an example um, and just say that, boy, I, I feel like my at this point in my life, my level of knowledge almost every day outpaces my level of obedience. Mm. I know way more stuff about God and about life and about what His will is for, for all of us as Christians in the world. I know way more stuff than I actually live out day by day. Mm-hmm. And I've, I really got to think that part of the way that you return to wonder is that you, you stop looking at the Bible primarily as a means of, of educating you and, and, you know, simply just start acting on the little things that Jesus said to actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what we'll find when we do that is you really do find yourself marveling at the, the work of God, at the love of Christ, um, just through taking these little, little, little challenges that Jesus gives. So, uh, you know, just by way of example, you know, Jesus said, um, do not worry. I mean, this is a, this is a command. It's not a, it's not a suggestion or like a self-help message or, a, um, or something you know that Jesus has just given us good advice. He actually said, "Do not, do not worry." Yeah. So that means it's it's a it's a matter of obedience. Mm-hmm. So I think you can make the conscious choice throughout the day to say, "I will not worry," and instead you fight that worry with with faith. That's an issue of obedience. Yeah. And then you start stringing a few choices like that over and over and over together again, and I, I think inevitably what happens is that you return to your you return to your first love. 
Um, one of the things that I read recently that has been, and it was so impactful to me, and it's really, really simple. I don't know. I think it is true. Um, I hope it's true. I want it to be true. But it is said, the story is told, that Charles Spurgeon, you know, the guy that a lot of people would regard as the, the greatest preacher in the last you know, 200 years or so. Oh, yes. That, Love him. <laughs> yeah, so Spurgeon, the story is told that Spurgeon, on his deathbed, said, uh, uh, I have come to the point where I can sum up my entire theology in three words. Jesus loves me. So that's a, it's amazing to me that a, that a man who had studied as much as Spurgeon, who had lived as much life as he had, who had preached as many sermons as he had, debated as many wow. people as he had, that he comes to the very end of his life, mm. and he's back down to this, just this simple core message of the gospel, mm. that Jesus loves me. But that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that story. I've never heard that story before. Um, Isn't it amazing? It's so amazing. amazing. And this is what, like, I have two three-year-olds. Michael, I have a 13-year-old almost, a nine-year-old and two three-year-olds. And my three-year-olds right now um, are coming in from church singing Jesus Loves Me. And, Uh you know, just to see how, you know, we'll put them to bed at night and we'll say, my, my, both of them, you know, they're at that age. I know you have kids. How many kids do you have? Let me look at them. We've got three. We're a little further along than you are, but we've, we've got three. So, so I can go into my two, three-year-olds and, um, and I'll say, who's going to protect you tonight? And they say, Jesus, Jesus will. I said, that's right. Jesus will. Now, if I go into my 13-year-old, she's like, so how is this protection going to, going to happen? And where is Jesus? And what, what, by what means is he's going to protect? But my three-year-old's He's going to protect me, mommy. He's going to protect me. And yep. I mean, to hear that story of a man that, I mean, I have the most incredible respect for and honor for. Uh, wow. That says a lot. That says a lot. You're, I think your story about your kids is really illustrative for, for all of us, really, because there's this point. I don't know when it is, but there's this point in life where something happens. And, and suddenly, life in general starts to become um, more complicated, or at least seem more complicated. And you start to get a little bit more cynical, and you start to get a little bit more jaded. And I, I can see it happening with my, my own kids. There's that, there's that wonderful period before that happens, like before you become self-conscious and you start worrying about, you know, do I have the right clothes on? And you start second-guessing conversations. I wonder what she really meant when she said this. And, yeah. And, you, you know, you start reading in everything. But there's those, those years before that that are so simple that until the world beats it out of you, yeah. that you really do have the simplicity of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if you were blessed to grow up in this type of situation, um, you, you have that in regard to your parents. So you never question, um, for, for some kids, if you're, if you're blessed in this way, you never question, is there going to be food on the table in the morning? Are my parents going to be there in the morning? You just never even ask the question. You mm-hmm. assume a level of safety and love and care and protection from your, from your parents. So good. And I, I'm not unconvinced that growing in Christ is not moving back to that, except better, to, because we know that no matter how great our our dads are or how great our, our moms are we've got a better father now mm-hmm. yeah wow um i want to go 
go back to this where you said you 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 personally you know a lot about God, and clearly even with your occupation, you know you you your your occupation is to study the Word of God really, and to right, know yeah. what it says. I mean that's that's incredible, and yet you um, this obedience is is what God is is interested in. Um, when you said don't worry, do we actually obey that? Um, can you expound, maybe, can you expound on that a little bit? I feel like this is kind of where we're at in the Christian world, especially right now. I know just very personally, uh, for myself, when I found Jesus, I grew up in a Baptist preacher's home, you know, was loved, had two parents. We, I, I didn't never have to guess if there was food on the table. I knew that there was, and yet I didn't find Christ until I was 21, found myself in an abusive marriage. And I found Christ in the abuse of marriage, not in the, the, the church growing up. And the Jesus that I found didn't look or sound like my perception of him. And I had to sort of relearn and take tradition out of it and take religion out of it and peel back things that I thought were so. But when I actually found Jesus, he was much more loving than I actually thought he was, you know. So I, yeah. I, I, I have a little different perspective, um, but are you doing exactly what Jesus is asking or do you just know what to do and aren't doing it? Can you expound on that just a little bit more? Because I feel I feel like that's such an uh, uh, insightful point. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think all of us are, are a little bit shaped by the way that we grew up. Um, one of the... Um, so one of the stories that I tell um, or try to kind of retell early in the book uh, is about the rich young ruler. So um, most people, if you've been around church for a little while, you, you've got a, a hint of this story. This is about a man who um, seemingly had uh, everything going for him. He was rich and powerful and well-known, but he came to Jesus because he felt like he was missing something. And he asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, um, Essentially, you've got to sell everything you have, uh, and then you can come and follow me. The way that I, I try to unpack that in, in uh, the book is by saying we all accumulate a lot of stuff over the course of our lives. And I don't just mean like, you know, knickknacks that you put on a shelf, you know. You accumulate through experiences. You accumulate hurt and pain and bitterness. You accumulate distrust. Um, you accumulate all these things. So just like the rich young ruler had accumulated all of this stuff, so also do we, we're in this process of constantly accumulating. And so Jesus says the same thing to us as he says to the rich young ruler. If you really want to follow me, then unburden yourself of all those things, all of those misconceptions that you might mm. have about who God is and what he wants you to do. You've got to unburden yourself of those things and come to me open-handed, don't follow the Jesus of your own making. Yeah. Follow the Jesus that you find revealed by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Um, but the only way to do that is to sell off all of these experiences, to admit that, well, maybe I, I have a misconception of what Jesus is asking me to do, or, or, or uh, maybe I need to um, relook again at the, the Jesus that I find in the Bible and not the Jesus of modern culture. Um, and then, you know, Jesus says, after you do that, you unburden yourself, Come and follow me. I mean, this is the command that he gave. Just, just follow. Just follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, following Jesus, I think, is is uh, something that engages our whole selves. Like it, we engage emotionally. We do engage mentally. 
but we, we engage with obedience. Yeah. Uh, when Jesus gave his disciples the, the Great Commission, he said, I want you to go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Um, it's, it's helpful for me to remember that Jesus didn't say to his disciples, I want you to teach them everything that I commanded you. Like, this is primarily an education process. It's not. He said, you need to teach them to obey. Yeah. So what that tells me is Jesus is not primarily looking for educated Christians. Yeah. He's looking for obedient Christians. Uh, yes! Come on. Come on with that, Michael. That's so good. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's good. No, that's, keep keep yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what, and, and then I think you got to ask the question, you know, why would we obey Jesus? You know, we, we would obey him because we believe he has authority, sure. But hopefully we grow to the point in our relationship that we obey Jesus because we trust that he is going to lead us in the right way. And we believe that he's generous with us that he's not a miser and holds stuff back from us. Um, and we believe that he actually knows what's good for us better than we know what's good for us ourselves. And that is, I think, how faith and obedience come together, is that we obey because we believe these things to be true yeah. about God and about his Son. That's why we obey, not just because it's the right thing to do and not just because it's it's the pattern of behavior that we grew up with. No, we obey because we know the character of God, yeah. and, and we trust in his character. That's why we do what he says. I love that answer. Teach them to obey. You know, that's what I'm doing with my kids. <laughs> and and it's, yes. it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, we have people that, have, are, of course, of closer that are younger. I think it's very important that you're, you know, pouring into someone and um, she, she was talking to me not long ago. And of course we're very high in love and in our home and very high in discipline. And she said, you know, why do you parent the way that you do? And I said, because if they don't obey me at a young age, how are they going to choose to obey God when they're out of my home? And, uh, that's my, my great desire, uh, for them. This, this is, this could be a parenting book too. Um, I want to get to this one question right here that I, that I love. And we just have a couple minutes left. What are some of the mature, and this is one that you gave us, or adult-like characteristics that keep us at arm's length from Jesus? I think um, defining a couple of those would be really, really good for our listeners. Yep. Um, I'll give you one that's that's really prevalent in my own life, Um, uh, self-sufficiency. So we, as an adult, you should be self-sufficient, right? I mean, we should go grocery shopping for ourselves and make our own meals and pay our taxes. We we shouldn't rely on other people to do that for us. But self-sufficiency runs completely contrary to the message of the gospel. I mean, the core message of the gospel is you can't. That's why you need Jesus, who can. (laughs) So self-sufficiency makes you an awesome adult. It makes you a bad child of of God when you bring it over um, with that. Um, Here's another one. Uh, and I, I mentioned this earlier, but again, just because it, it means a ton to me, um, self-consciousness. Mm. Uh, we become more and more self-conscious as adults. And I don't know that there's a, a, a bigger culprit in making that happen in our lives than social media. Like we, oh my we now have the ability to portray ourselves uh, 
like we never have before, you yeah. know, to set up a, just the ideal version of ourselves. All that's rooted in, in our, our own um, insecurity and, and our self-consciousness. So the opposite of that that you want to return to um, is uh, innocence, a real sense of innocence, just to be authentic before God and before other people and to not feel like there is this false uh, sense of self that I have to, um, that I have to set up. Um, and, then, and then I'll give you one more, um, which is complexity. Um, and the opposite of that is simplicity. So complexity, it just feels like you look around the world, the issues that, that we are presented with, and even just navigating life in general, it just feels complex, complex, complex. And I, yeah. I am increasingly believing that the Lord did not mean for us to live with this huge sense of complexity, mm-hmm. that life doesn't actually have to be this complex. It was Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, you got one thing, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. That's a simple statement. Yeah. And then all the other things will be added to you. So those are, those are three, three examples. This is so good. I think that's, that's um, really a practical way to put it get this book. The name of the book is called Growing Down. Um, The author of the book is Michael Kelly. Michael Kelly, thank you so much for being on our show today. This was a great practical, relevant show. Have I said relevant enough in the show? (laughs) Very, very good word. Thank you for writing this book. It's my pleasure. Thanks for for, uh, letting me come on and talk with you guys for a little bit. Of course, of course. And thank you for listening out there. You guys know you can find me right back here tomorrow at 3.30 on The Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.